0: It is Thursday, December 16th. You are locked on Real Talk. This episode is presented by our friends at Bitcoin. Well, more than 200 Bitcoin ATMs in Canada, more of them internationally. You know, more and more corporations are looking into paying employees in Bitcoin with the employer Bitcoin savings plan. It's one of the new ways that employees are asking for corporations to reflect where some of their priorities are to learn the benefits of buying and holding bitcoin for your business to figure out more about what this is all about and what's driving it check them out online under the sponsors tab on our website ryanjesperson.com
1: real talk starts right now here's ryan jesperson
0: big show coming up in about uh, 10 minutes we're going to talk to mclean's magazine senior writer paul wells about bill 21 quebec and the rest of canada what are people saying it's become real a teacher was pulled out of the classroom near ottawa a short time ago of course it's got even federal politicians chiming in finally plus alberta should the province stay or go dr barry cooper a political scientist out of the university of calgary has been arguing that alberta should be a sovereign entity he's been saying this for decades senator Paula Simon says hell no the two of them are going to join me in just over a half hour but right now we want to dig our uh well we want to sink our teeth into don't we we want to chew on we want to understand and digest what we're seeing from provincial and federal governments when it comes to COVID policies through the holidays the province of Alberta by way of Premier Jason Kenney making an announcement yesterday while we were doing the show Basically, here's the gist of it. If you're unvaccinated, you can gather. More than two households can gather together. Unlimited numbers of kids under the age of 18. Some people concerned what this is going to do with the potential fifth wave, the Omicron variant relevant here. Before we get to Dr. Lenora Saxinger, here's Alberta's Premier Jason Kenney yesterday.
2: We're trying to balance these things. There's no perfect way of doing it. We are concerned about Omicron. We should be. Dr. Hinshaw given a very clear message today about how people can take voluntary measures to keep themselves safe. But at the end of the day, that's what it's about. It's about four and a half million people making individual choices that are responsible. That's basically what we're asking for here. We're giving them a parameters. They are very stringent parameters. Uh, but we're trying to make them reasonable in a way that people can realistically follow them uh, after 21 months of this.
0: Dr. Lenora Saxinger is an infectious disease specialist. Uh, She's the co-chair of the Alberta Health Services Antimicrobial Stewardship Committee. She's been working on public messaging since basically the very beginning of this pandemic. We're always grateful for her appearance here on the show. Thank you for making time for us. Good morning to you. Uh, The premier says yesterday it's stringent measures, but in a Subsequent follow-up, further comments, he said Canadians have hit the outer outer limits. Albertans have hit the outer limits of what they're willing to observe with regards to public policy, legislation, if you will. Where did you land on what you heard yesterday?
3: You know, it's interesting because that's not what I would have chosen to do, because I think the threat of Omicron being like Delta 2.0, like angry Delta, is very real. I think even over the last two days, so probably before meeting materials were um, prepared for for the discussions that must have happened, um, even over the last two days, um, things have really come into sharper focus on the actual threat level and the fact that this is a very aggressive, um, aggressive strain. And so I see the Christmas holiday season as a really big opportunity for the virus, It's also an opportunity for us to not let that happen. But I I do read that people are fed up with this. I am too. And that it's a really tough sell to scale back the holiday plans. I think that the the plans probably had been, you know, gestating for some time, there probably were some discussions, and that they were trying to reflect that a lot of people might just color outside the lines anyway. And so they were trying to put some reasonable boundaries and guidance in place. But I'm not sure if that approach is going to Is going to do it. I'm I'm quite concerned, honestly.
0: Yeah, so am I. I feel like it's going to come back and bite us. And and we have valuable limited time with you, so I'm not going to get into a big monologue, but I will be commenting later on forming legislation or public policy based on whether or not people are going to obey it. That seems like an interesting approach to take. But Dr. Saxinger, you refer to Omicron as angry Delta. People want to know the facts. I mean, what does this variant mean with regards to the efficacy of the vaccines that they've already received and maybe what they need to keep in mind, knowing that unvaccinated folks are permitted legally to gather now people are going to go well 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 now uncle randy and his family can come right shitter's full they're in the party let's go everybody together what do people need to be keeping in mind
3: so, I mean, the first thing that's very clear is that it's highly transmissible. It's more transmissible than Delta within household settings. There's really very high risk. Early data from the UK shows three times the risk of household transmission compared to Delta, which already was actually quite a lot more severe. And um, and you know, the the open question that we cannot answer yet. So don't listen to anyone who has an answer. Is whether or not the severity is going to be really that much less, the same, or worse. So far, early signs is not worse, but if it's so infectious and can reinfect people who've been vaccinated, it could really easily swamp our healthcare system through the evil magic of exponential growth. And so it's a huge threat. Um, if, if it's not a huge threat to individuals, there's still enough people vulnerable that they they could end up in hospital. And then we can't do your knee surgery. So the the vaccine story, there's varying numbers, but after one dose, there's probably 30 to 50% protection against any infection infection. Um, I mean, after two two doses, 30 to 50% against infection overall. But if you've had two doses, most people, it appears that the infection is reasonably mild. Um, there's probably 70% protection against hospitalization. And those data are, are very early and likely to change. Boosting does appear to help. It should reduce the risk of hospitalization, should reduce the risk of infection. Um, also, having prior infection alone is really not very useful against this virus. Lots of people getting reinfected. Um, so... It really is different. It genuinely is a problem.
0: Uh, The province saying yesterday that 85 percent of eligible Albertans age 12 and older have received both recommended doses of vaccine through AHS pharmacies and physicians offices. Eighty five percent. Not bad. We know we'd love to see 100. We're probably never going to see 100. The concern would be now, I guess, for example, big groups that might gather. I think of faith groups that may gather. Perhaps the majority of those people have chosen to not be vaccinated. So when do we look toward uh, doctor? I hate to I hate to put the question out like this, but if we're being realistic, what do we say? second third week of january is when we'll be bracing ourselves to see what numbers look like
3: i would hope um really really strongly that should we start to see the numbers take off the way they well might i mean people do have to get tested and have this figured out so don't don't shy away from testing with minor symptoms get it done wow. and if we're seeing that uptick and that upswing of of serious issue, I would really be looking for public health to put into place um, stronger restrictions that prevent the possibility of these super spreader events. There have been some really well-publicized, well-documented, highly transmissible without symptoms events already with Omicron. And so so I, I really would be looking to avoid that as much as possible. And the earlier you act, the better. I would be looking for potentially changes even over the weeks of the holidays, if necessary, because... This could be quite difficult, depending on how much Omicron is already in the communities and who's meeting who. And when you have all those people together, they're bringing together so many different networks of risk that it really changes things. And so even if you just scale up to keep the network connections lower, it will make a difference or scale back. Sorry, I'm saying things opposite.
0: No, we appreciate the perspective. We appreciate in my circumstance, I appreciate direct advice in times like this, because I think people are looking just to be able to make the right decision and understand from a health professional like yourself what the landscape looks like. We've made you late for a meeting. We appreciate your availability, doctor. Thank you for this. Thank you. You got it. That's Dr. Lenora Saxinger, an infectious disease physician. Really appreciate her perspective on that. You can let me know what you think. Uh, She mentioned rapid testing. I think that's a big deal. Obviously, different jurisdictions, different provinces across Canada. I saw Ontario, you know, of course, they have their provincially run liquor stores. So they have the LCBO stores, but it makes it maybe a little bit easier for them to make this happen. But they're going to have rapid tests available in liquor stores, which I think is is probably makes pretty good sense through the holidays, considering where a lot of people go uh, to pick things up maybe in more ways than one, <laughs> hate to put it that way. Uh, Alberta's going to make them available at pharmacies, other AHS locations, etc. Uh, what did they say, Sarah, about 500,000 of them?
4: That's right. But the pharmacies are only in the big cities. So right. if you're outside of Edmonton, Calgary, Red Deer, I believe, um, what what it looks like is you're going to have to go to AHS sites to get those rapid tests. Okay. So it's a bit different depending on where you are in the the province of Alberta
0: yeah I'm curious I am going to ask Paul Wells about this next I mean we're bringing him on to talk about Bill 21 but I know he'll have no problem going at this on the fly The the assertion from Alberta's premier a pretty interesting one yesterday he basically said uh, you know Alberta's relaxing restrictions because people have hit their outer limits of what they're willing to accept which to a certain degree I think Jason Kenny's correct a lot of people are going I'm done like whether i don't think people are saying it in a malicious way i don't think people are saying it in a way that means they're not willing to consider their fellow humans or they're not participating in society anymore but people are going i've I've done what was asked of me i've worked from home i've got both my shots and we're going to mexico or we're going to maui or we're having a family dinner we're having christmas again i'm sick of it i'm done said alberta's premier yesterday a complex free society is not a machine that the government can easily micromanage we have to account for things like human volition and freedom in the stringency of our measures uh, essentially saying if people aren't and the premier pointed out uh, furthermore in an interview with the national post i think it was tyler dawson that did that it was uh the premier said yeah people like weren't following the rules anyway so you know and then that makes me think someone like me if, if i would look for something to serve my best interests, well, well nobody follows the speed limit on any of the major highways in alberta either so why don't we you know turn them into the autobahn if nobody's going to pay attention to let alone respect legislation then why even have it there in the first place right that's kind of what alberta's premier is saying you wonder if some people might dig in and say i wonder where else he might be susceptible on that front you know, what happens if maybe, maybe I don't feel like paying uh, income tax this year? Maybe maybe I don't feel they might be small little things. You know, maybe I don't feel like mowing my lawn. We'll see what happens with the bylaw at the municipal level. Yeah, nobody was mowing their lawns anyway. So we just got rid of the bylaw about keeping the curb appeal. Right. Everything goes to hell pretty quickly. You can let me know what you think. Talk at RyanJesperson.com. Paul Wells in just a second. I wanted to remind you, our friends at the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park right now are selling their DQ bucks in support of the Stollery Children's Hospital Foundation. They just hit a million dollars raised for the Stollery and apparently that's not enough for this crew. So they're keeping their foot on the gas. A $5 donation at any of the Dairy Queens of Northwest Edmonton and Sherwood Park gets you $5 in DQ bucks. So basically it's a wash for you and five bucks goes to the Stollery. Don't forget, Holiday Log Cakes are also on half price. All you have to do is mention our name. Real Talk Ryan Jesperson at the Dairy Queens of Palisades, Nemeo, Newcastle, Westmount, and Baseline Road sam do i put you in a tough spot if i get you to to roll a video in just a second you know that you know the one i'm talking about you don't have to roll it yet but in just a second friends we got this delivery yesterday from our friends at friesen brothers this is a pink glow pink pineapple it comes in its very own box there's like a holiday card in there i absolutely love it it's a card that you can fill out to let the person that you love know why you're giving them this with your warmest wishes. It's the tradition of gifting holiday fruit. Check these things out. They look pretty normal, right? At first glance, they look like your average pineapple. But Sam, let's roll it from the Friesen Brothers Insta story. These go on sale tomorrow, these pink pineapples. Check them out. They're like this, what would you say, Hoyle? like a salmon pink inside?
4: Oh yeah. They're probably gonna
0: say maybe don't use invoke salmon when you're talking about our pineapples, but kind of rose gold. Kind of like a rose gold. Nice. Very mm. on trend oils. Very well done. They go on sale tomorrow. Limited time. They're like 20 bucks. These things were selling in Tirana, we saw for $40 at the Maple Leaf Gardens grocery store. You can get them at Friesen Brothers, these pink pineapples for 20 bucks. We love tomorrow in this spot we'll tell you a little bit more about the tradition of gifting fruit. All right, well this next guy is uh, basically who a lot of people go to to make sense of uh, sometimes complicated uh, political stories across the country. It's why mclean's magazine has him there trusted as their senior writer and we are always grateful when we have a chance to check in with Paul Wells. Returning to the show, good morning to you my man. Thanks for making time for us. Thanks Ryan, how are you? Yeah, doing all right. We were just I want to talk to you about Bill 21 obviously your piece uh, out on uh, December 10th, but uh, Alberta yesterday making these announcements around the holidays. In the context of COVID, the, the prime minister talks to all the premiers the night before Tuesday night, basically says, listen, we got to take this seriously. There's going to be some travel restrictions. The message needs to be a consensus across the country. And Alberta, among the first to say, nah, you know, we're going to relax a little bit. People can gather through the holidays. The premier says it's because people weren't following the rules anyway. Where are you at on this? I'll be honest. This, to me, is one of the bigger gray areas. I don't see this necessarily right now in black and white. How about you?
5: Yeah, I'm big on gray, too. Um. Uh, I'm glad they're not going to be too many travel restrictions because um, I'm coming out to Calgary with my wife on a weekend to uh, visit the in-laws for, for Christmas. So uh, I'm glad no one's going to make me feel bad about doing that. Um, th- there's a there's there's huge fatigue. Um, I remember actually in the very first days of this pandemic, I called an epidemiologist in, in Vancouver. Like this is in April of 2020. And uh, this guy said, you know, the likeliest thing to happen is that we're going to be able to maintain this lockdown for a few months and then we're all going to come out of our caves and, um, our bodies still aren't used to the virus. And there's going to be a second wave and probably bigger than the first wave. And I listened to this guy and I said, first of all, I don't believe that. Secondly, there's no way I can print that because people would string me up. And then it turned out, it turned out to be an understatement of the problem that we're, uh, that we're all facing as a society. This is two years later. And, um, uh, I'm being as good as I can. I'm trying to get my booster shot booked. Uh, it's not as easy as you would hope it would be in Ontario. Uh, but I, I, I understand the sentiment that you know people have been through a lot. Um, I, uh, I just think that emotions are one thing. The virus doesn't care about your emotions. The virus doesn't care that you're tired of, of restrictions to lockdowns. The virus is really dumb. It's going to exploit any opportunity it has. It's going to come at you if you let it. And so I try and encourage everyone, including my own family, just just keep your emotions out of it. If experts tell you that one course of action is safer than another, uh, you should strongly consider following that advice. Yeah,
0: I agree. Same as you. And Full disclosure, call it real talk, keep it real. I'm also going to be on my way to Calgary for holiday gatherings to be in touch with family. And we've already talked about it. Everybody there is going to be vaccinated. Uh, with the exception of the kids that are too young to qualify. And uh, typically in past, if and when we've gathered in family, even outdoors, we've done the rapid test before at our own cost, because obviously we want to make sure in particular that we don't get my parents sick. Um, So, yeah, to me, I'm not necessarily going to be like, I think everybody should lock down and everybody should all meet over Zoom. At the same time, I'm kind of sitting here going, we've seen what happens before. We know what happens before. I mean, this is the home soil of Alberta's best summer ever. Right. where and, and it wasn't just the Calgary Stampede to blame. As a matter of fact, statistically, the Calgary Stampede was way less of a driver on COVID numbers than a lot of other things were through the summer. But the point was, it's widely acknowledged and accepted now that those relaxed measures did contribute to a significant wave and significant strain on the healthcare system in Alberta. And like you say, Paul, I don't think there's going to be anything different about this Christmas. So in a sense, yeah, we're sick and tired of it, but we also know what we're manifesting.
5: Yeah, I mean, I, I keep coming back to, um, you know, and it's it's a, it's a simplistic answer, but I like those better than complicated answers. The virus does not care about your ideology. The virus is just gonna if you if you let it in. And I mean, I'm actually very interested by this argument that the Omicron might be uh, less severe than the other ones, much more virulent, but much less severe. And then getting the Omicron. Um, uh, you know especially if you're vaccinated is 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 not necessarily uh as as terrible an event but frankly, I don't want to. I don't want to personally be part of that experiment. I'd rather just avoid getting COVID if I can.
0: Yeah, well said. Let's talk about your piece. Uh, interesting to see this week. Obviously, it becomes national news when uh, Bill Twenty One. I, I hate to put it this way. Uh, this is, you know, certainly my perspective from a position of privilege to suggest that Bill Twenty One just became real. But when a grade three teacher uh, in the Quebec town of Chelsea was pulled from class uh, for wearing a hijab, all of a sudden Canadians couldn't ignore this anymore, and that includes federal politicians i like in your piece in mclean's published december 10th you write bill 21 you say i don't like it either it's based on silly reasoning the state must have no religion so nobody who works for the state may be seen to have religion it's like saying the state has no particular height so public servants must be required to hover above the ground
5: take us into where you're at yeah i mean like this argument uh Basically, uh, do Muslim women wearing headscarves represent a threat to public order uh, has been going on in Quebec for about a decade. It's been going on around the world. Quebec's not the only uh, jurisdiction to pass laws like this. Uh, the polling I've seen suggested that if another provincial government somewhere else in the country were to, uh, were to pass such a law, there would be some support in, uh, anywhere in Canada for this sort of law. Uh, I, I, I just, I just don't buy it at all. I, um, uh, we can have, uh, interesting discussions about whether religions should require people to dress a certain way or to do or not do certain things. But, uh, I come from a conception of liberalism, small L that says, I can't know what someone else's motives are. And, uh, and secondly, it's no skin off my nose. And uh, the Quebec government disagrees. Bill 21 is very popular. And the reason it's taken until now, the bill was passed in summer of 2019. The reason it's taken until now for a teacher to be pulled from classroom because of it is because uh, uh, existing public servants were grandfathered, they were or sunsetted, they were uh, permitted to keep wearing uh, religious uh, insignia if they were already employed when the bill passed. So it only applies to new hires. And this is the first time a school board has hired somebody knowing that the law is in place knowing that they contravene the law and uh and and eventually they got caught why did they hire this woman because she's the third teacher in her classroom since september because uh burnout is rampant in every sector of the economy including in in classrooms uh they hired a teacher then they had to hire another teacher then they had to hire another teacher finally said look we're just going to hire." she seems nice she seems competent off we go and um and then then what happened happened
0: i want to uh, play this clip this was just yesterday this is calgary's relatively new mayor uh jody gondek chiming in on bill 21 I
1: just got off the phone with mayor patrick brown from Brampton, and i agree with him that bill c21 or bill 21 is something that needs to be challenged. Uh, what
6: What Quebec is doing is absolutely unconscionable. So together with him, we are issuing a challenge to other municipalities in this country, asking us to contribute towards the legal challenge to get rid of Bill 21
0: unconscionable, says Calgary's mayor. How significant is that comment? And, and when she talks about legal challenge or it's time to do something, what's she talking about? I mean, what options are out there? What can you see playing out?
5: Yeah, I mean, it is very interesting that um, municipal mayors are, are uh, lining up to get involved in, in, in this debate, which is essentially about a provincial law in Quebec. Um, it's not clear to me that they can do much besides uh, funding legal challenges. Uh, a lot of the legal challenges have already been exhausted because, as I say, this debate's been going on for more than, on this on this latest law, there have been, uh, other Quebec governments have passed roughly comparable other laws, but this particular law has been challenged and ruled on in Quebec courts already. So I guess they would pick up the tab for the for the appeals process. This law is going to the Supreme Court of Canada. I just guarantee that the Supreme Court of Canada is going to be considering Bill 21. Um, uh, precisely because uh, the case has already been heard in lower courts again it's not entirely clear uh, um, how much it can be uh, changed on, on the on the fundamentals of the law uh, lawyers have already made a lot of very creative uh, arguments against bill 21 to some extent judges are are, are uh, handcuffed they're not there's not much they can do about bill 21 because the government of Quebec invoked Section 33 of the Constitution, which is the so-called notwithstanding uh, clause, which means that they can pass this law, even though the Charter of Rights and Freedoms might say that, that, that you shouldn't. Uh, for a limited and, time, right, Paul? There's like a five-year window on that? Yeah. So you, you, you invoke the notwithstanding clause, and that, that gets you out of most but not all of the Charter for five years. And then you have to do it again. And if and if and if a legislature, if legislature five years from 2019, so in 2024, doesn't uh, do it again, then then Bill 21 lapses. Um, and my own hunch is that in 2024 or in 2029, at some point, um, uh, discuss with this law within a growing minority in Quebec uh, will make it unpalatable for a future premier to renew the law. And so I think this is, uh, um, I just think this, I, I just think this debate is subtler than a lot of people wish it would be. Um, uh, although I note that when I make my subtle arguments in my so- subtle column in McLean's, it does not get widely retweeted in Quebec. As a matter of fact, it has not been retweeted in French at all in Quebec ah. uh, because people there prefer to get a- outraged over um uh, over, you know, more uh, exuberant columnists who are calling Quebecers racist and stuff like that. That I mean, uh, calm voices tend not to get amplified in a debate like this. Isn't isn't it racist? I mean, I I I know where this is going
0: to go. Like people, you know, I've I've seen the sort of like squabbling online where people will say you know something you know islamophobia is not racism it's focused at a religion and then people will say yeah i don't see like a lot of blonde blue eyed muslims named mcveedy uh it's just not the way that it goes this may be about religious insignia but it, it it affects muslims uh and perhaps maybe hasidic jews i don't know uh perhaps catholics wearing a crucifix maybe but disproportionately this impacts muslim people
5: yeah um as i say in the column it's funny to think about a lot like this the cost is never carried by somebody named cote or tremblay or wells Mm -hmm. um is it racist people should feel free to call it racist um people should feel free to call it bigoted uh uh judge blanchard in quebec superior court who handed down his ruling on on um, Bill 21, uh, saying that he couldn't do much about it because of the notwithstanding clause, used the word discriminatory 71 times in his ruling. So clearly um, now sometimes, he he, he didn't call it discriminatory 71 times. He uh, discussed the debate over whether it's discriminatory in such a way that he had to use the word 71 times. But I mean, there's a lot of people in Quebec saying this is a discriminatory, bigoted, racist law. So people outside uh, Quebec should not be too shy about using similar words if those are the words that, you know, and then, and then we can have a discussion. I mean, uh, Andre Pratt, former senator, former uh, editor of the La Presse, had a piece in, in Washington Post or in the National Post saying to everyone outside Quebec, like, shh, don't, don't say anything because somebody might get upset. That's not the way people operate. That's not the way people work. That's not the way Andre Pratt worked during 20 years as an editorialist at La Presse, writing his opinion about every single subject under the sun. And it's a little rich for him to say, OK, I can say what I think about things that upset me, but you people shouldn't because it it might, tempers might get a little heated. And uh, and finally, after two years of biting their tongues, Um, People across Canada are starting to say what they think of this law.
0: Well, yeah. And I mean, if I'm a a sick man that, you know, a young man that that understands that I won't be able to realize my dream of teaching elementary school because I wear a turban, I'd have a pretty tough time. Uh, understanding how that's any different than not being able to own property because I'm indigenous or not being able to drink from a water fountain because I'm black or not being able to do whatever because I'm Jewish. I'm not sure I would be able to see any nuance in how that would be any different. And those societal policies, if I can say, haven't exactly aged well, Paul.
5: Yeah. So, um, I mean, I've been a journalist for long enough that I remember – uh i was at the montreal Gazette when it was um debates over whether uh sikhs and the RCmp should be wearing turbans or whether uh veterans in legion halls uh including in alberta should be wearing religious uh headgear and stuff like that and people in quebec were very upset about the idea that uh, it, that uh legion halls in alberta were were um uh trying to decide what people should wear it's i mean it's funny what goes around comes around um, uh, you asked about Mayor Gondek in in, 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 in Calgary and, and, and her willingness to uh, support legal challenges to the bill. That's probably a useful thing to do. But I'll tell you, the most useful thing she could do would be to let everyone know that uh, uh, that teacher in Chelsea is welcome to work in schools in Calgary.
1: No
0: kidding. Uh,
5: what Patrick Brown and Barry should say is, come work here. Mm-hmm. Uh, people in Quebec notice real fast when... Uh, societal decisions impose economic costs. And when uh, competent, dedicated, uh, potential employees find it easier to work somewhere else. I think that's uh, I think that's a message that I I know that uh, this teacher in Chelsea could work in Calgary if she wanted. Mm -hmm. But that it'd be handy if uh, if municipal officials emphasize that point.
0: You make that's such a great point, Paul. And and not to be tacky about this either, but from a Municipal marketing standpoint, uh, a, a pretty effective way for Calgary's new mayor to put her stamp on what this city's going to look like uh, for yeah. the next four or eight or twelve years or what have you.
5: Oh, exactly. Um, I and 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 I I I keep emphasizing that this teacher has not been fired or banished to the to the to the um, janitor's room or anything like that. She's going to be she's going to spend the rest of the school year running uh, uh, a workshop for her grade three, for you know, elementary students across the school on, on writing about themes of diversity and inclusion. Um, so it, it, in a, it's, it's an excellent way to make a lemonade out of a lemon. Um, but frankly, people shouldn't have to get creative with what to do with a teacher who's not allowed to be in a classroom. Yeah. Uh, they, it's, it's, it's not the worst thing that's ever happened to anyone. But it's still a choice that shouldn't be forced on one teacher out of the entire uh, the entire staff of that school.
0: Yeah, Paul, before I thank you for your time and and people, of course, can read your full piece. And now the inevitable Bill 21 fight at McLean's dot C.A., obviously significant to, to see federal MPs start to talk about this, because this has been something that in particular, the party leaders really have not wanted to touch. And the prime Minister's taken some shots, certainly across the bow from people that have said that he's he's refusing to show leadership here Uh, he's refusing to you know demonstrate what people might expect from a, a federal leader when there's provincial policy like this of course i think most canadians are aware though that there are uh in particular some some circumstances where the federal perspective on something is irrelevant Uh, So what's the significance of, you know, I mean, you note in particular conservative MP out of Brampton, Kyle Seaback, who was kind of the first one to really speak out. And and then there were several others, including conservatives out of B.C., ultimately some liberal MPs, too, but really no high profile cabinet ministers.
5: Yeah, I mean, I I, I, I guess the lesson is we live in a society and uh, the people in charge of just about every political party I know are spending more and more of their time trying to keep uh, disagreement, uh, unpleasant debates, uh, anything but sort of worshipful adulation away from their political bosses. Uh, I am sick to tears of seeing the prime minister stand in front of row on row of his uh, caucus uh, members or, and cabinet ministers silently nodding behind him. That's not the way people behave, people disagree they uh, they have an idea that you haven't thought of. They uh, they they want to uh, do work on a problem that you prefer to ignore and so on. And I, I actually think it's I mean, I couldn't I'm a fan of, of, of Andre Pratt, that senator who's telling the rest of Canada to shut up. I couldn't disagree more. First of all, you can't make people shut up. Secondly, you shouldn't try. Uh, what we need in this in this country is more people uh, having an opinion uh, about things, not fewer. And what we're seeing is that when more people have an opinion, politicians are forced to sit up and listen.
0: Paul Wells, senior writer, McLean's Magazine. Always great to have you on the show, my man. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, you got it. Uh, You can check out Paul's piece again at McLean's Um, I want to reference something. I like hitting comments like this head on. Uh, Fatima says, you want real talk? She's in our live chat. She says, I hate that there's no hijabi representation here. Sure. Fair point. Um, We've discussed this on the show before with, uh, you know, uh, hijabi representation. Fatima, and you know that our door is wide open to feedback. This is a continuing conversation. Uh, Just today, Paul is... In my mind, one of the best writers in Canada, and he took this on particularly on Canada's largest publishing platform, maybe aside from the Globe and Mail, McLean's magazine wanted to pick his brain on it. But absolutely 100% real talk. Appreciate that. You can be in touch with us anytime. If you'd like to get ahead of where we're going with our guests and who we're bringing you on the roster, you can always send us an email to talk at ryanjesperson.com dot com. Our thanks to Paul Wells for that. I want to remind you that we're partnering with Poppy Barley this month to, to give you even more reason to invest in their new kind of luxury when it comes to men and women's shoes and boots house accessories uh, some beautiful luggage i mean they've got i mean even their little poppy barley keychains are so top notch you can tell our family is a big fan of poppy barley right now if you go to poppybarley.com or their brick and mortar shops market mall in calgary or southgate center in edmonton the promo code real talk is going to get you $25 off of a minimum $100 order, but there's only 30 of them. So they might be gone already. We announced this a couple of days ago. I'm assuming they're not. I'm going to let you know. Today's the best day to act on this at poppybarley.com. The promo code REALTALK gets you 25 bucks off an order, minimum order of $100. Um, I've known the ownership group, Kendall, Justine, the sisters behind Poppy Body for years. I'm huge fans of the way they do business. They support workers uh, in in fair conditions, family-owned factories in Mexico and Europe, in particular hiring women. This business is built by women. Uh, And I can tell you that their men and women's uh, footwear is the most comfortable stuff you're ever going to wear in your entire life. It's why I wear my Poppy Barleys every single day. You can check them out at poppybarley.com. Our Real Talk Wine Partner of the Month is the team at Kendall Jackson. Uh, This was a big deal, I know, for the team at Kendall Jackson when they were named Green Company of the Year. By the drinks business they recognize global sustainability leadership in the beverage industry uh, you can check them out online at kj.com you can visit the kendall jackson winery take a tour you can understand more about how sustainability actually plays out not just a buzzword you know their wines are produced with a third less water than industry standard what it's true their entire bottling procedure is run by the largest solar generator in the wine industry. How cool is that? Plus, the wine is fantastic at a price point that virtually everybody can agree. It is bang for buck with Kendall Jackson. I've been really enjoying the Cabernet Sauvignon as of late. Also wanted to let you know that if you're looking for a way to really infuse some holiday spirit into your next couple of weeks, the Edmonton Symphony Orchestra is ready to step up. They're thrilled to be playing again. And you can check out the upcoming shows online at winspearcenter.com. They've got a holiday gift guide there, ESO concerts, education programs, and a whole lot more. Plus, starting tomorrow night, a traditional Christmas. If you want to hear carols, you want to really get into the spirit, the Nutcracker Suite will be featured. That runs December 17th through the 23rd. Plus, the holiday magic from December 18th through 22nd under the uh, conducting of ESO's chief conductor, Alex Pryor. That's the 22nd, the 18th through the 22nd of December. And of course, Hollywood for the holidays after Christmas, just before New Year's, December 28th through the 30th. All the Hollywood film music that's just brought to life. with symphonic sound, including Disney and the big blockbuster, Star Wars, Harry Potter, all the details at com. Youth tickets start at 15 bucks. Adult tickets start at at $25. Before we get to uh, this debate, I'm expecting, I mean, it's not an official debate. We're not going to go two minute opening statement, one minute rebuttal, two minute opening. That's not how we're going to roll. We're going to do a candid sort of a ground level conversation. We're just going to keep it real. Just say what we think with Senator Paula Simons and Dr. Barry Cooper in just a moment. Alberta. Should it stay or should it go? Some of you are going, are you are you serious? Really, Jesperson, you're whipping this up again. Dr. Barry Cooper has been talking about this for a long time. He's been granting interviews recently about this. People are still talking about it. Just had this, you know, this referendum uh, during Alberta's municipal elections. Remember that? And we got sort of had people talking about what the future of Alberta should look like, what a fair deal for Alberta looks like. We're going to get into that. But I have some really exciting family news that I wanted to share with you all because I get to hang out with you every single day. And we experience the highs and lows together and the joys and the sorrows. And it has been our family's absolute honor uh, this morning uh, to let you all know, uh, on behalf of our little guy, Wyatt Rudy, we posted this photo on my Instagram, on my Twitter. You can see it that he's going to be a big brother. And we're super duper excited about this. Wyatt is absolutely over the moon thrilled. His little brother or sister is going to arrive just before Wyatt's 7th birthday and he is so excited to take on this responsibilities moses and monroe the canine brother and sister I know are already getting set to be on their best behavior and carrie and I couldn't be more excited about this We've, we've shared some of our personal journey publicly uh, It's been a long road to get here and we are so grateful for all of the kind words that that we're receiving today And and it means so much to us that so many of you are sharing in our joy a shameless plug For Carrie's site at CarrieSkelton.com, you can go and check out her new post this morning. I mean, I know right now I'm showing it to you on YouTube and you're seeing her yummy eggnog cookies. Those are absolutely worth your time. Her local love list as well. But check this out. Check this out. You can also get into her surprise. We are pregnant post. And that's coming up. Of course, all of that uh, excitement through the holidays for us personally as a family, we'll be sharing that some of you as we see fit. So thank you so very much. It means a lot to us. Let's get to this. Alberta. I guess I could have a family segue, couldn't I? About a happy family in Canada and the provinces and the territories and everybody getting along, but that's not always the way it goes. Sometimes, just like siblings, maybe you feel like some of them are being treated better than others, like Quebec, right? And sometimes in Alberta, you feel a little bit maybe ostracized or underappreciated as part of a family dynamic. So what do you do? Uh, do you alienate yourself do you estrange yourself or those around you what's the right play here Uh, talk about alberta separation or alberta sovereignty has been prominent at least in pockets of the province for decades uh, including with dr barry cooper he's a professor of political science at the university of calgary a fourth generation Albertan, a member of the notorious calgary school those are barry's words not ours you know tom flanagan and the like the firewall letter that's barry's wheelhouse we're excited he's agreed to join us alongside an independent senator from alberta formerly and nationally award-winning newspaper columnist everybody knows paula simons uh, she was appointed to the senate of canada just about three years ago after a long and distinguished career in mainstream publishing media she will be arguing hell no we're staying dr barry cooper thinks we should leave i'm thrilled that the both of you are here a very good morning to you both uh Barry, you want to kick this off that you say tongue in cheek, you, you know, you, you're a member of the notorious Calgary school, but that Calgary school graduated some pretty prominent conservatives over the years.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's actually one of the, uh, the highlights of, uh, of my career at the university of Calgary. Um, sadly the department has, uh, returned to uh, normalcy, uh, and, uh, uh <laughs> the, uh, the, the conservative, uh, uh impetus impetus i think has uh,
0: has declined somewhat so your book i mean you're the author of a ton of books deconfederation canada without quebec um it's the regime stupid a report from the cowboy west on why stephen harper matters you weren't wrong about that went on to form a majority government but i ask you this in all seriousness are you serious you really think that can, that alberta should leave canada you, you you believe it to this day and you're serious
2: uh, yeah, I, I believe it. I think that's the only viable option. Of course, we can always uh, maintain what we've done for the past uh, century and a half, which is to do nothing and, uh, and get exploited by the rest of the country. Uh, it's, it's really up to Albertans how much they want to take. Um, but the, I would say the window of opportunity for fixing things uh, closed about uh, 25 years ago. And uh, there aren't very many options left. And that's the only one that makes sense to me senator simons i should mention you
0: also host a popular podcast alberta unbound and we're having a team editorial meeting a while ago and i go we got to get dr cooper on the show and and then we thought as a team well who would be a great voice to argue that of course not alberta should stay and everybody went senator paula simons so here you are Uh, you i would imagine you will vociferously disagree with dr cooper
6: I shall. First, I want to say basha tova to you because I think that's wonderful news for you and Carrie. Thank you. May the baby, may the baby come in a good hour. Thank you. Uh, yes, I vociferously disagree. I mean, I'm speaking to you from my office in Ottawa with my view of the national cenotaph and the Canadian flags flying. And so there are tremendous numbers of practical arguments against separation. But maybe I want to start with the philosophical arguments, which are that I think most Albertans are very proud to be Canadians. They are proud to live in a country under the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. They are proud to live in a country that is tolerant and open and diverse. I got the chance as a senator to travel from Prince Rupert to St. John's and every province in between. This is a miraculous country which exists as part of a unique cultural experiment. And, you know, I sit here, I look at the Canadian flag flap, I get verklempt. I, you know, it's, it's part of something in which I think Canadians take immense pride, and Albertans are proud Canadians. Now, there are many practical reasons why separation would be foolish for us economically, legally, politically. We are a small economy, four million people. We are landlocked, and yet we rely for our economy on the success of our exports if we were to separate as a landlocked country, we would be forever beholden to the rest of Canada and to the United States to get our goods to market. And we wouldn't have the leverage we have as an equal province and confederation, we'd be a vassal state. So we'd be forever coming cap in hand whenever we wanted any of our goods to get to a port, for example. Uh, We would be scaring away investors and head offices. You only need to look at what happened to Montreal when Quebec started even talking about separation and the flight of capital and the flight of talent from the city. Is that what we want for our economy? We would lose out on human resources too. Alberta is a place that relies on workers from around the world and across the country to fuel our economy. If we cut ourselves off from the rest of Canada, what do we do when we want workers who, who you know, fly in and out from Newfoundland and Nova Scotia and Saskatchewan and Northwest Territories? Are there, are they going to have to go through border controls? I mean, that, that that's going to be Incredibly detrimental to our economic growth. Are we going to scare away immigrants who are going to say, "Well, why would I move to this little landlocked parochial place when I could be part of big, wonderful Canada?" So, what would we do to our ability to attract human capital? You know, everything from the federal—you know—the health transfers that we get, the our can I can't Canadian pension plan. Uh, the the daycare money that we've just signed off on. I mean, we would be cutting off our noses despite our collective faces. And finally, there are the political difficulties. We are a province that is part of Treaty Six, Treaty Seven, and Treaty Eight territory. Those are treaties between the Crown of Canada and the First Nations. Are what happens to our to our First Nations, to our reserve lands within the province. How would that work? And finally, I don't know about you, Ryan, but I am a third-generation Albertan from Edmonton. My husband is a fourth-generation Albertan from Edmonton. I think that makes our daughter a fifth-generation Albertan. I don't get the perception that a lot of people in Edmonton are terribly interested in this as a proposition, and especially Young people who see themselves as global citizens who want to be part of something bigger, not something smaller. So I suspect that even if everybody south of Red Deer wanted to leave, I'm dubious that anybody in Edmonton, the provincial capital, is all that full-throatedly excited about the prospect of separation.
0: Dr. Cooper, would you agree with uh, Senator Simons about potentially changes in, in, in thought or conviction around this based on geography within the province?
2: Uh, I, I suspect that she's correct about uh, uh, people in Edmonton not being as enthusiastic uh, as Calgarians and people to the south. Um, but what listening to her, it was uh, Paul. It was that was so yesterday. Uh, it was uh, it was like the way my dad used to talk. Uh, he was very proud to be a Canadian as well. But uh, the times have changed. If we could get our product uh, to the world market, none of this would have happened. It's because of the government of Canada. Preventing that uh, through, say, cancelling Northern Gateway, the tanker ban, all the stuff that everybody in this province knows—that's uh, the problem. But it's the it's the culmination of, as I said, about 150 years of exploitation. We would be. Well, we, we haven't there.
6: even been a province for 150 years, no, so that's interesting we were, math. There
2: were people living here uh, who became Albertans who were exploited initially by the uh, imperial government in London, and then. The same law was taken over by the government of Canada, and they treated us exactly the same way. Uh, that's the big problem. We are not seen as uh, as equal provinces. We never have, and by golly, I don't think we ever will be. Uh, now, we're landlocked right now. How long do you think it would take us to get a corridor to Prince Rupert? Uh, about 10 minutes, uh, if we were dealing as a sovereign power with the, the people in British Columbia. It would happen overnight.
6: That That's a fascinating analysis. You know, I, I serve on the Senate, uh, the Standing Senate Committee on Transportation and Communications, and we dealt with Bill C-48, which was the tanker ban. I have previously served on the Energy and Environment Committee that dealt with Bill C-69. I can tell you that the obstacles to building a pipeline to Prince Rupert are not just, cannot just be waved away. There are issues of Indigenous sovereignty. There are interests of it questions of environmental interest. And I fail to see why a new Democrat government in British Columbia would be any more amenable to helping a free and independent Alberta build a pipeline than they were when we were part of Confederation. I mean, mm-hmm. I think I think the logic is just fallacious. I've, I've worked on these files in Ottawa, and I can tell you that being a sovereign nation of 4 million people will make us weaker, not stronger. I know Albertans and I know Alberta culture. We are not a province of quitters. We are a province of fighters. I think it is our role to stay in confederation and fight. And I can tell you, Professor Cooper and and Ryan Jesperson and all of you listening today, When I joined the Senate, I was kind of amused to see how many senators from how many other provinces also believe that their province is uniquely hard done by. Mm. I think this is a real weakness in Canada. We are a nation of teenagers whining and moping. I mean, people in in every province and every territory. Every single one, even in Ontario, the people from northern Ontario feel hard done by compared to the center of Ontario. I think the only even Torontonians feel hard done by because they say they don't have enough seats in parliament to represent their population. We can't just be a country connected by a profound sense of regional grievance. We need to be a country that unites to lead forward and to lead the world and Alberta has to take a leadership role the way Peter Lougheed did, coming to Ottawa, demanding a fair share for Albertans, recognizing the historical inequities that Dr. Cooper is absolutely right about, like Alberta's control of its natural resources that we fought long and hard to achieve. But the best way to get the best deal for us is to stay in the game, not to take our ball and leave the field. The,
2: the problem, uh, Paul. the problem is that Laurentians are not interested in dealing with us fairly. They never have been, and I don't think they ever will be. You probably have heard the CPR runs through Calgary. Uh, That is a a huge bargaining chip with respect to Canada, and certainly with respect to British Columbia. We should probably inspect every every, uh, train that comes through to make sure it's, you know, it doesn't have pollution uh, underneath it. I mean, there are all kinds of things. The
6: rats, we have to keep out the rats.
2: We certainly have to keep out the rats. Yeah. Uh but but the the um we would have so much more bargaining power if if uh we were independent particularly with respect to BC. Uh and, and quite frankly I think a lot of Albertans think of of uh Laurentian Canada as a kind of foreign country anyhow. Uh I had the misfortune of living for 10 years in Toronto and I certainly found it a very strange place.
6: I mean I I, I will say as an Albertan when I lived in Toronto for 2 years I did consistently feel the back of my neck turning red from time to time um, as I defended the free trade agreement, for example. And in Ottawa, as a senator, I really do feel like I have to be an ambassador for Alberta, because I think often it's true Alberta gets painted as a backward redneck province. And sometimes we do ourselves no favors in allowing those voices to be the ones that get heard. That's why I think it's really important that you know that I speak out for the majority of Albertans, the vast majority of Albertans who do not favor separation, who see themselves as proud Canadians, but who do want a better deal in Confederation. I mean, Professor Cooper is right. There are all kinds of inequities. Take the fact, for example, that B.C. and Alberta each have six senators, where uh, New Brunswick and Nova Scotia get 10 senators and PEI gets four senators. Is that fair? I mean, when I go out to speak to school children, I always tell them it's, it's not fair and it's not very easily fixed. There are things that are hardwired into confederation that, that do not benefit provinces outside of Quebec and Ontario. That is absolutely true. But do we just give up? I don't think we give up. I don't think we quit. I think we take our good ideas and we make them heard in in the center.
2: Barry- Paul, it's not about ideas. uh, And it's not about fixing Confederation. It takes two to tango. And Laurentians have no interest in talking to us as equals. Ever. Barry, Barry, like, where do you let's I, I want to, like,
0: really dig into it so so people can truly understand. Like when we say Alberta is not getting a fair deal, um, I mean, here, like, let me obviously insufficiently sum it up and then I'll hand the baton to you. But I, I mean, I people oftentimes will talk about pipelines that haven't worked out or proposed pipelines that have been quashed, whether it's by corporate interests or whether it's governments or whether it's the courts, whatever. Uh, we've talked about that a lot. But that's obviously, you know, what people will invoke most prominently is talk about pipelines. There's talk about Alberta sending a bunch of money to Quebec, which we know is inaccurate. Uh, Canadians pay federal income taxes just like anybody else. Albertans typically have earned more and so they have paid more. That's how taxes work. And people say that's unfair. I mean, we could debate that, I guess. I don't know what people are looking for. If they want to get paid less, they can pay less tax. But but when you say it's unfair, when you say the Laurentians, I mean, I'm assuming you mean the Montreal and downtown urban Toronto liberals, uh, you say they don't want to deal fairly. Where are you seeing that manifest or evidence itself right now Today
2: Well, if they were interested in dealing with us fairly, then all of the things that Paula and I have said about these various inequities wouldn't be there. We wouldn't have anything to complain about. Uh, we would have pipelines uh, and we would probably have I mean the equalization is a lot more complicated than just sending money from Alberta to uh, to uh, liberals in, uh, in uh, you know downtown Toronto. because um,
6: that's not in fact how it works.
2: No, that's the way it's seen though. Uh, and of course it's not, there's, there's a huge number of, of complications uh, with uh, right from the beginning with equalization. But I mean, it's, it's you get so far into the weeds right away uh, that I don't think that that's really a, a useful way to go. Anyway, my, my, my major point is that if, if, if we have nobody to talk to, then it it ain't gonna happen. It takes two to tango, and we can't just say we're we want to be good Canadians. No, if they they want us to be, what do we call them? Uh, de- maybe dependent Canadians, or uh, what? Uh, C. B. McPherson used to call a quasi-colonial dependency, uh, which has been there from the time of Rupert's Land.
6: Well, yes, I mean we are built. We are built on a colonial model. No one knows that better than the First Nations in Métis, who were the founders of Alberta. No one knows better that the West was seen as, a, you know, a cask of riches that could be exploited to benefit Central Canada. That history is all correct. The question is, how do we, how do we move forward? I do not think that we can tell ourselves that the illusion that we can turtle. You know, pull in our legs, go under our shell and say, okay, we're going to be our own country now uh, is a viable way forward. It's not viable politically and it's not viable economically. So then you have to say, okay, if that doesn't work, how do we address the systemic injustices that are baked into the history of Canada? How do we address those injustices for all Canadians and all Albertans, including First Nations in Métis? I, I think the answer to that can't be to sulk. It has to be to engage. And I think that we can see times in our history where that engagement has worked. We've talked about pipelines. Well, it was Edmonton's current mayor, Amarjeet Sohi, that brokered the deal with First Nations along the path of TMX. TMX is being built right now. But we also have to think about what does Alberta's economy look like in a post-carbon world? Forces well beyond the control of the Canadian government or the Alberta government are having a Paradigm-shifting impact on the royal of role of oil and gas in the world's economy. So, how are we going to be prepared going forward? We can't just say we're the we're the blue-eyed sheiks and we've got all the oil and gas and we're you know we can fund everything. We have to be prepared for Alberta to move forward into a new economic paradigm, and for that, we're going to need. National support, national connection, national engagement, access to national markets, access to international markets and access to all the best talent in the world.
0: Uh, Dr. Cooper, let me ask you this. In, in your estimation, if we're speaking frankly, d- does Alberta's position on this uh, strengthen or weaken based on the strength or weakness of uh, oil, the global oil prices, the strength of the energy industry? I mean, in my mind, Alberta loses a pretty significant footing when the oil industry languishes. Would you acknowledge that?
2: Yes, of course it does. It's the main industry in the province. Uh, I I don't think that we have to uh, accept these uh, um, projections of what might happen uh, 50 years down the road as having much relevance uh, for the next 10 years. There's certainly, uh, everything I've read, we've got at least 30 to 35 years worth of of nothing but um, uh, carbon-based economies. Uh, that means oil and gas. Uh, it also means, in this province, it also means coal. Uh, we have we have uh, eight hundred years worth of coal. And
6: if, some, uh, if somebody wants to buy it, and if we can get it to them, you know, the thing can is use to say to, to, electricity. to say electricity. Well, to say that we've got thirty years worth of an economy doesn't strike me as a very good footing to go forward into nationhood. I mean, my daughter is twenty-four. I would like there to be an economy. More than thirty years out for her, and and you know, and my possible prospective future grandchildren, and you know, and and for for Ryan's you know newbie coming into the world, I suspect he would also like there to be more than thirty years of a solid economy uh, for for the babe on the way, a country. Is a big undertaking. And the days of blood and soil nationalism, the kind of ethno cultural nationalism that led to so many conflicts around the world, should not be a model we want to import into a contemporary 21st century uh, Alberta. You know, I, I remember back to the days of Cascadia because I am old. I've not quite as old as Dr. Cooper, but I'm still old. I'm old enough to remember the Cascadia movement and Gordon Kessler and Doug Christie and all of the people who advocated for an independent Alberta in an argument that was had lots of baked-in racism and anti-Semitism to it. I don't think that's the way people are thinking now necessarily. The anti-Semitism of that early separatist movement, I think, has greatly diminished. But I think we have to be extremely careful about what, you know, what is the philosophical underpinning for our putative future country. It can't just be because we're grumpy. We, we need something that would be somewhat more inspiring and inclusive than that.
0: Yeah, Barry, and, and I want to respect both your time and obviously we'll kind of wrap this up. We didn't expect that we would solve all of this or that we would come <laughs> to consensus and instruct the Alberta government on how to move forward with this and put the feds on notice here. But but Barry, like in closing, do we acknowledge that different generations may feel differently about this? And in so many ways, as you suggested at the outset of this conversation, that the window for Alberta to get a fair deal closed about 25 years ago, has the window for, Al- for Alberta to separate done the same thing?
2: Uh, no, it's the only thing that's left open. And, and I quite frankly, I think that um, Paul is uh, looking ahead uh, will just mean more exploitation. And maybe Albertans are going to put up with that uh who knows i uh, will we'll certainly find out i think over the it's it's not really up to uh, to uh, to uh, i've got a sorry i've got a nose yeah i just noticed oh, that no. you
0: know no this is like out of nowhere it's, barry it's it, no worries do what you got to do
6: it's it's the dry weather of this place i have to say uh, the cbc had a story the other day in which they claimed that there was no difference between a dry cold and a wet cold i can tell you as somebody who commutes between ottawa and Edmonton that this is completely untrue.
0: What would you How rather I, have Paula the dry cold or the wet cold?
6: I would uh, normally I would rather have the dry cold. Yeah. Today however it's plus 13 in Ottawa oh, and minus 25 on. in Edmonton. Yeah. And so, you know, if we could get if we could get weather equalization in Canada?
0: I don't want it to... Would, <laughs> That might be easier to accomplish, actually. (laughs) All things considered, it might be easier to accomplish. Uh, Well, listen, uh, we knew that this would be a a, a great exchange of ideas, an entertaining exchange of ideas. I did not suspect that one of you would emerge bloodied, but indeed that has happened. (laughs) Now now Uh, I
4: feel guilty about that, too. uh,
0: Listen, I love these types of conversations. I know that some people will think, uh, Barry, that you're bang on. Some will think you're out to lunch. And same goes with you, Senator. Um, What matters to me.
6: That comes with the territory it comes with the territory you're talking to one of you know one of Alberta's most prominent and controversial public intellectuals and you're talking to a senator a politician so we know
0: there you go well listen i was i was looking forward to welcoming you both (laughs) to the show uh barry thanks for being such a good sport amid all of that complication going on it's great to see both (laughs) of your faces Uh, uh happy holidays to both of you and thanks for joining us here on real talk
2: thanks Ryan and congratulations thank you, thank yeah, you, you both bet. so
0: much thanks Barry appreciate nice. that thanks, thanks Paula yeah oh, that sucks for Barry it's like what he gonna do it's out of his control but yeah the the back and forth there I'm not I you know I'm gonna be honest I think it's I mean geez I've been very upfront and open and and straightforward on how I feel about Alberta separation I think it's a fool's errand I think it's ridiculous uh, I've been on the record many times saying that and, and quite frankly Dr. Cooper as, as much of a likable guy as he is did not offer to me anything that I haven't heard before uh, in so many ways that I would be convinced to believe that Alberta should leave I think that the the treaty point it can kind of just stop right there um, the point about the treaties six seven and eight uh, market access Paula made a good point there and I know that some folks if you participate in these debates online some people will say nah there's like a United Nations it's it's kind of funny because it's all the people that think that that you should dissolve the United Nations that will reference the United Nations and they'll say no there's like global policies that you 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 can demand market access through other countries and have we've talked to lawyers I've done radio interviews before and they've said that's bullshit that's not true at all and in 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 no way would Canada be in uh, or, Or forced To allow Alberta to have market access By way of pipelines or rail or anything else And if the rest of Canada Or Canada did that to this New country, Alberta or Whatever it would be called, they'd probably call it like prosperity or something. They'd give it some name uh, with the, the new flag would just be like an oil derrick, And I don't know, but, uh, but you know, the, the new country would, would not get a better deal as an independent. Listen, we're not going to pay into equalization anymore. We're not going to contribute anymore, but now we would like a better deal. It's not going to happen. Uh, the cost uh, the prohibitive nature of the cost of establishing your own military. Um, I know the premier is kind of flirting with this, talking about the provincial police force and the provincial pension, neither of which he campaigned on, which is worth mentioning. Uh, the delivery of health care and education without the support of federal coffers. Uh, you know, I mean, it, disproportionately, Alberta has paid, I mean, more income tax, generally speaking, than other provinces, like we said, because we've earned more. And so that's how it goes. And, you know, you can sit there and say, well, great. So that means that you know we don't have to pay into equalization, so we earn more in Alberta. So you know, ratio wise, we're going to have more to spend than we would if we were part of the rest of Canada. Yeah, maybe for now, right? We may have eight hundred years of coal supply. What did he say? Eight hundred years? Was that what he said, or am I inventing the number? It was like he said something like eight hundred yeah, years. He said, said like, eight hundred, you know, yeah, like thirty years of oil and gas. And I'm not, listen, uh, we not. You know, we're not the type to to believe that that cars are going to be off gasoline or we're not going to be heating our houses with natural gas like next year. I don't believe that. But we are in a transition. I mean, you look at what the big corporate giants are doing. They are transitioning. They know that if they want a longer shelf life, they have to evolve and they have to move forward and capitalize on it. Right, it's like you know, it's not Trans Canada Pipelines anymore. It's TC Energy, right? That name change is a big deal, and it references you know, like Calgary. Even Calgary slogans, right? What's the Calgary slogan now? I think be part of the energy, right? It's an energy capital. I mean, Hoyles, you make a good point. What was it? The story we were following? You, know, I, I know you won't maybe have the details right in front of you, but but New York City made an announcement this week. This is just. Kind of an interesting one um, Becomes the largest city In the world uh, To ban Gas Heating and stoves uh In, in major structures In major buildings There's going to be Huge implications For example For restaurants
4: Absolutely I mean that ultimately means It's going to go electric So you're going to have Electric yeah. heaters Electric stoves Electric All that jazz And it's for new builds So really it, it makes it So that is the trajectory That is where the focus is Moving away Yeah From oil and gas.
0: Now, someone right now is listening to this show and they're screaming. They're going, where do you hippies think that electricity comes from? It comes from coal. And some of it does. But I think that we would all be morons if we believed that big cities like New York, or or, or provincial, or state, or federal jurisdictions are going to start invoking or introducing policy like that without considering that we're also talking about more sustainable forms of electrical generation, right? Whether that's nuclear, whether it's hydro, whether it's whatever the case, uh, you know. And obviously, there's even work happening right now in Alberta transitioning more toward natural gas. People will say, well, that's not the end game, mm. but it's environmentally less harmful than some of our current protocols or some of our current methods so yes it's all a transition and a journey um I, I i've got time i guess to to participate in these fun debates i mean we're the ones that presented it it was it was it was an, an exercise for it we'll call it infotainment it was infotainment today but if but if i was uh it was mills lane the boxing judge i think you know judge mills lane who went on to have the tv show um i i think i'd be awarding that one to senator simons today
4: Fair enough. But but I really think that, I mean, it is coming up to the holiday season. We are, depending on how people decide to voluntarily... Follow what said Restrictions are put Out there um, we are Going to be having Family gatherings or Seeing family members And people don't Necessarily uh, be able To see eye to eye On all things Including what Canada and Alberta's Relationship is so I think this gives People a chance to More fulsomely <laughs> Understand what the Arguments are do I And have ammo When am they're I,
0: going I was just gonna say So what we're doing Is we're giving you Like 10 contentious Talking points to Absolutely blow up Your family holiday Table no, no no. Uh, everyone's basically. like everyone's like, "Hey Norma, may I compliment you on your sweet potato pie?" And then the real talker in the room is going to be like, "So you guys think Alberta should separate?" <laughs>
4: No, it's it's merely acknowledging <laughs> that what's his name Uncle Larry Uncle Larry Uncle will not Larry. be in, he,
0: Uncle Larry is not invited to our holiday gathering unfortunately. Well,
4: he'll he'll drunk he,
0: of course, or sober Larry is not invited anymore
4: cuz he always brings it up.
0: Larry made his bed. He's got to lay in so it. So
4: now you know he's going to bring it up so now you actually have yeah. some, you know, contextualized Sure. Information that you can you can Bring in you safe. are
0: informed you can be the smartest Person at the party right. because you rock Real talk and you can let them know When you drive in you know your your Vehicle if you arrive in a vehicle <laughs> with our Vinyl sticker on the back window like we Got one from Jerry yesterday Jerry Wrote in because I let him know I'm going to read his email At some point this week and uh, If I see if I can find 40 minutes Jerry I'll read your email this week to the rest Of the audience uh, but in all seriousness Jerry's such a beauty and I wrote him back and I said You got to know how much we appreciate and give Engagement like this, he goes, Oh, you want to see? And then he emails me. They've got their two family vehicles, both of them with the Real Talk decals. He's got his Real Talk bourbon bottle. I'm going, a boy, Jerry, we love it. Hey, speaking of our Real Talk bourbon, Sam, can you show off? I mean, this is going to be for the benefit of the people that are watching us on YouTube. Otherwise, you can go check this out on Instagram. This is like maybe the most beautiful photo that I've ever seen in my entire life. I mean, aside from our family pregnancy announcement photos that we shared earlier today, but other than that, uh, check this out! Absolutely beautiful. This is is from Sean Kincaid, who shared this photo yesterday. Absolutely beautiful. Got his hands on a Real Talk bourbon bottle, and, and Sean was letting us know what he thinks about it. and And I was I was pretty excited to get into it because he has a bit of a review there, doesn't he? And and Sean was saying to us after posting the beautiful photo of the bottle, he said, "This is a winter warmer." a winter warmer that's brand new. Single cask, very limited, an absolute unique bourbon with 100% sweet Olathe corn by the gentleman at Woody Creek Distillers brought to us in Alberta by or let me not say that. Let me say PWS. They're the Park Whiskey Society, but they're PWS importers. And uh, selected personally by me, uh, the host of Real Talk, Ryan Jesperson. He said, this bourbon is so unique and delicious. I guarantee I'll be sipping it a lot over the holidays. And then he wonders, what do you have lined up to sip on over the holidays? We're so excited about this bourbon. You can still find a few bottles. We heard yesterday the boys at hockey. I call them Doc Shelby. Let me know that he was able to find a bottle at Sherbrooke. He said they had three left on the shelf there, I think. We've got some at Whiskey Drop in Edmonton. They'll ship. And then we've got Vine Arts down in Calgary. Please do show them your business and ask for the Real Talk Cask Number 1 bourbon by Woody Creek and us. If you're going to be traveling through the holidays, we encourage you to keep the money in your jeans Park at Jet Set Parking. If you're flying out of Edmonton International Airport, you can book ahead of time. Do it at least 24 hours ahead of time at jetsetparking.com. Make sure you use the promo code REALTALK. If you do, and by the way, you can book for travel right till the end of 2022. Maybe you're going, uh, you know what? We've got something coming up in the next six months. I mean, I'd love to book in my parking now and park for five bucks a day. Do it today. The promo code REALTALK. Five bucks a day parking at Jet Set Parking. Uh, You're gonna love it. Free shuttle service to the airport from heated shelters. They make it nice and easy. Our friends at Breathe Outdoors, I don't know why I was going to segue to this earlier until we started talking bourbon and sometimes you got to move on the fly. There was an Uncle Larry segue here. I was thinking, you know, speaking of sleeping outside, it's the time of year where good gear matters, right? Whether it's a fantastic sleeping bag or a three-season or four-season tent. Are there four-season? There's for sure three-season tents. We love winter camping as a family. Uh, I mean, I haven't done it for 20 years because I'm a wimp now, but winter camping has its own special magic to it. The team at Breathe Outdoors wants to set you up. Their winter adventure sale continues right now. You can save up to 40% off outdoor gear, including brands like Yeti, Patagonia, North Face, Mountain Hardware, and Kuma. Again, breatheoutdoors.ca. You know, we keep an eye on our hashtag. By now you know it's powered by the team at Park Power. I was thinking yesterday, we were talking about how much your people are paying over the past couple of shows, in fact, about Canada's housing market and about you know what people are paying for high speed internet and for connectivity across the country. You know that Park Power, I know people think of them electricity, natural gas. They provide internet as well. And you can compare internet rates right now on their website at parkpower.ca. You're gonna of course want to know what you're paying with your current plan, but you can go into theirs. Look, unlimited plans. What kind of internet do you want? Cable? DSL? They've got answers to frequently asked questions. And a reminder, if you use the promo code 2021-REALTALK, you're going to save 70 bucks, 70 off your first bill at parkpower.ca. Hoyles, we were uh, keeping an eye on some stories making news across the country, and uh, while there is uh, no uh, joking around about what the province of BC has been going through, I mean, geez, the wildfires this summer, and then these floods and these mudslides, I mean, it's been brutal, it's been devastating, but the city of Vancouver is is prompting a few laughs today with a a pretty good spirited take on uh, a residual issue, do we call it.
4: A residual issue. I was (laughs) trying to find a way to frame this. I love it. Uh so that barge, remember that barge the that big huge one. Yeah, that was just it it had flung off its what are they called? They're like moorings. Moors. Yeah. yeah moorings, there's the yeah. word. Can you tell I'm from a landlocked province? Anywho, uh so they flung those off and it was it was just freewheeling on the ocean and it crashed in and it basically got beached over on Sunset Beach. And so the city decided, hey, it's still there. Let's uh let's put a name on it. So it's barge. Chilling Beach, Barge Chilling Beach. The city, legit, like the Parks Department got a sign made, yeah. put it up, had a ceremony, unveiled it yesterday.
0: I'm kind of feeling like it should be n apostrophe. Like I feel like it oh, should be yeah. Barge chilling, chilling Beach. Because if you talk, you said you ask somebody like, "What are you doing tonight?" They don't say chilling. <laughs> they say chilling.
4: They don't enunciate chilling. <laughs> you know. Sam, when I
0: first saw this, I thought it was like someone that has a a graphic design resource or somebody that has a signage company, but it's actually, this is official. Like Hoyle said, I love it. Through the parks department, through the city, this is awesome to see.
4: Maybe it's like, maybe this is the beach where a barge, you know, like chills out, like gets its temperature lowered down. Like it's just sort of getting ready to be served as a frosty beverage. I don't know. I'm trying to find a spin on this. Yeah. That uh, I'm straight. I'm stretching a lot here. Well,
0: I could probably move into a, some sort of a promotion of a frosty beverage. You know, we could. Could. my brother sent me a photo and it's um, you know it's it'll remain a private family photo but it's two little guys uh, they live in Vancouver and they're they're walking past and it's it's uh, I mean it's an iconic photo that they'll have I said you got to print that that's you know I mean like the, you, you, when you look back on that summer I think of the I think of iconic photos that have sometimes come in times of great adversity mm. um, you know who will forget the photo of, of the southern Alberta firefighter you know with a big smile on his face holding uh, that older woman I, I don't think she was elderly you got to be careful Careful using that word, but and why am I saying her age? It doesn't matter. This she was holding a, he was holding a woman. He was holding a person walking through flooded uh, streets, Mm. right? And the and the water's like up to his knees, and he's just he's just this barrel chested guy. He's got this big huge grin on his face as he's carrying this lady uh, through this flooding, and that kind of became. An iconic image for what was obviously devastating uh, the floods of Southern Alberta I think it was 2013 if I remember off the top of my head But 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 it it showed he was like the face of how people responded to it And the city of Vancouver by doing this I think sends a, a, a bit of a message about like hey We're taking it all in stride in a way
4: Well, you got it. Like, what else are you going to do? You have to just, you know, grin and bear it and maybe laugh about it after the dust has settled. I mean, I did actually fact check it because I I was like, this has got to be this is this real like (laughs) that's the first thing (laughs) yeah is this this for real it's for real folks
0: it is for real i want to get to a couple of your emails uh these both came in yesterday prompted by an email i read yesterday you'll never guess which one uh but first i want to quickly remind you that trash talk is coming up tomorrow and and we still have room for a couple of submissions i'm especially interested i'm looking for non-political ones i want people's interesting takes as we wrap up the year what's something that's been driving you nuts i mean it's fine if you want to chime in on like bill 21 or you want to chime in on a holiday COVID measures or whatever. That's fine. But we're always looking for creative takes on rants submitted to talk at ryanjesperson.com. Of course, you know Trash Talk is presented by our great friends at Local Waste Services with Construction Commercial and Residential Waste and Recycling Collection. They're getting set to make some big announcements about their footprint. The footprint is growing bigger in the new year and I can't wait to tell you all about it. They're a family-owned business with integrity as a core value you can learn more and get a free quote today at localwaste.ca. Same deal with the team at Kubi Energy. Family-owned, free quotes available on their website. Jake and his team. A background. You know Jake's. He was on the show as part of our solar panel. What was that, I think back in May or something like that. And Jake told us about his journey. He was an electrician in oil and gas. And then he saw where industry was going. He saw a window of opportunity, so to speak. And he started Kubi Energy. Now they've got teams of installers based out of Edmonton and Kamloops they're operating installing industrial commercial residential agricultural uh, in two provinces at least year-round with their tesla certified installers just an amazing company to do business with you can find them online at kubienergy.ca. and i want to remind you as well about eden landscaping bringing outdoor spaces to life i talked to mike the other day he goes what would be great for people he said i know holiday seasons are busy and stuff like that but in january it's it's the perfect time to start thinking about getting your ball rolling when it comes to that big ambitious project. You want to reinvent your front or backyard? You want to have that space ready for summer to entertain, to enjoy with the kids, family, whatever it is. Maybe you're hosting a big wedding anniversary, something like that. Now's the time to get in touch with Mike. Start talking about what your vision might look like. He's got a great idea of what supply chain constraints look like. Some of these construction materials might take two, three months to get here. Now's the time to place your order. You can find Eden Landscaping at landscapeedmonton.ca. Uh, we read uh, an email yesterday from, from, Cy, from PSY, I hope I'm pronouncing that correct. I think Cy, right? PSY um, wrote in to, to to talk about his perspective on abortion. We had a roundtable or a bit of a discussion on it, maybe not a roundtable, but a discussion on what's going on down in the States, uh, the significance of some states' laws and challenges to the Supreme Court and what it means in Canada. And it, pretty interesting and informative exercise. Of course, you know some people really appreciated it. Some people, not so much. That's typically the case when you when you venture into that territory, when you talk about contentious and emotional and personal issues like abortion. We received emails from Megan and Rebecca, and I wanted to get to both of these. I appreciate them. I let both of them know privately how much it means when you take the time to to wear your heart on your sleeve and to get in touch with us. Megan simply wrote in to say, Ryan, um, I want to respond to that email with her body, her choice. End of that from Megan. I appreciate it, Megan. I appreciate that email. This is from Rebecca, who went on a little bit more. She said, you know, I'm, I'm sort of tired of hearing the, quote, same old view on abortion, just like Cy. Um, but it's his view that I'm hella tired of hearing. Rebecca says, Cy's obviously coming from a place of grief, you know, having lost a child, but he's also coming from a place of privilege and entitlement. And what sounds like maybe a dose of religious dogma thrown in, because not all pregnancies are gifts. You know the fact that he can't disassociate abortion from pregnancy loss is something that he needs to work through and not by shaming people who require abortions and why should somebody be forced to endure a pregnancy that they didn't choose as a society we've constantly been allowing ourselves to be drawn into bad faith debates over fundamental human freedoms that are not debatable the truth of abortion is that people need abortions and always will you can't legislate abortion out of existence you can only control who has safe abortions and who has dangerous ones who's considered a full person in the eyes of their government, and who is a government-owned incubator, who is free and who is not. The sole decision on abortion belongs to the person rocking the uterus. And I take issue with the fact that this person thinks that there's a chasm uh, within the people that elect to have abortions. The truth is that life is unfathomably complex. People with uteruses own their bodies unconditionally, and every abortion story is as unique as the person who lives it some are traumatic some are even regretted but plenty of them are not remotely traumatic or regretted or obtained under desperate circumstances but just pregnant people exercising their rights to steer their own futures there are no good abortions and bad abortions because an abortion is a medical procedure reproductive health care is health care and it is a fact without caveat that a fetus is not a person i own my body And I decide what I allow to grow in it. That from Rebecca. I appreciate that. I'm going to throw that one into the hopper for consideration of email of the month. Email of the month is not an indicator of whether or not we agree or disagree with the emailer. To me, it's a recognition of what an email does to drive public dialogue and to drive editorial direction on the show. Each and every month we mail out a real talk crescent mug, a new one, not studio used. I know that, like when you buy, you know, sports memorabilia, you always want it to be game used. But I think people might prefer new mugs. In you this don't think they'd want context, the one that
4: Ryan Jesperson that
0: I've been like huffing on and like <laughs> sipping on and scraping my like lip crusty? No, I don't think people want that. <laughs> I think people, we'll send you a brand new one, cause we can every month and we'll announce right near the beginning of january sam just looks troubled i paint it was a bit of a vivid picture that i painted there i guess just just a bit just yeah well i'm just looking at it and i always make sure that you know because most people listen on the podcast so, so we get away with this but if you're watching on youtube this looks like a clean mug right it looks like a very clean mug but if I were to like flip it around, you were to see it. I mean, luckily our studio lights are so damn bright, Sam, that they can't really see. They're doing their job. They're washing out the gnarliness of my coffee mug.
4: I love that you just like you dig in. You could just like I'm going to be honest. You could.
0: <laughs> you can't host a show called Real Talk and then not be real. People just won't buy into it. People just
4: won't get on board. Won't talk about your your lip crusty. They
0: won't talk about our lip crit. But see, people can relate. <laughs> People know exactly what I'm talking about with those lip crusties. You know what I'm talking about, don't you? Hey, we're so excited. Uh, I I wanted to mention this. Uh, of course we have our real talk pond hockey classic coming up on Saturday, January 29th. It's hockey day in Canada. It's going to be absolutely amazing. Bonfires, beer gardens, burgers. We're going to raise, I mean, we thought we were going to raise 50 grand for charity. It looks like based on registration and sponsorship so far that we're going to well exceed that, which I'm really excited about. Um, One of those sponsors, and I'm so stoked that the team at St. Albert Dodge is going to be there sponsoring as our registration sponsor. So, when you attend at Larry Alexiak Field in St. Albert on Saturday, the 29th of January, you're going to see I don't know what they're going to bring, it's up to them. I'm guessing they're going to have one of those maybe new Jeep Wagoneers out there. They're probably going to have a Ram 1500 out there. Uh, They've got the best selection of anywhere in the province because they can share with their colleagues at Sherwood Dodge. So, you have double the choice, double the inventory. You can check it all out online. Uh, you can link to them st albert and sherwood dodge under the sponsors tab on our website if you're interested by the way in joining st albert dodge at our pond hockey classic we'd love to have you there you just go to RyanJesperson.com under the events page and you click on the link for pond hockey and you'll find all the information there we're still taking teams maximum of five people it is a day you will not want to miss every thursday uh thanks to our friends at Prairie Catering. You know, we keep an eye on on news events and happenings, uh, both right here at home and around the world. And we pick one story every week and we invite somebody to eat your words. Presented by Prairie Catering. Now, this story sucks. This is one, this is a kind of a punch in the gut kind of a story. But I wanted to take a second because I think that this is something we can all relate to because this isn't a celebrity. And this happened relatively speaking in our own backyard it was brought to my attention by way of a tweet check this out this is posted by a young kid joel webb 16 years old himself i believe joel might be 17 but he's a teenager he tweets i'm currently sitting in the room the dressing room after a tie he's a hockey player after a tie with the Southside athletic club i'm comforting maybe the nicest guy on our team In Steph Serediak, Steph's a 16-year-old budding hockey star. He says, for those who don't know, Steph's mom tragically passed at the start of the season from cancer. She passed in September. Joel went on to say he's been incredibly positive and strong, but it's absolutely classless when he has to face chirps like, how's your mom? How's your mom? From the opposing team. Joel says have some respect there is no place in the game for shit like that this is Steph's mom Steph lost his mom as mentioned in September Uh, Tamara Missick-Serediak unbelievable loss for this family to say the very least before her 50th birthday she's left this life you cannot imagine the pain that the family feels but her 16 year old son and I would bet to make her proud he's decided to keep playing hockey and he's out there and maybe on the ice he's able to maybe for a moment forget about everything else that's making his heart heavy maybe he's about to go out there and feel the freedom that comes with breaking down the wing or unloading a slap shot if you play sports or if you find some other avenue you know that grief can be abated or for forgotten about, if only for a moment, but it's so important. You know, we teach our kids to compete and we teach them about sportsmanship. And sometimes competing effectively means getting under the skin of your opponents, finding that in. You remember just last week at the highest level of sport, you know, the, the Russian star and the New York Rangers Panarin, Artemi Panarin didn't like what Brad Marchand said to him and he threw a glove at him from the benches. And everybody went, that's what Marchand is so good at talking, beaking, getting in Panarin's head. But this goes too far. I shouldn't even have to say this. You know who needs to be saying this? It's the other hockey parents. It's the coaches and its players. Teammates like Joel Webb, who stood up. And in addition to comforting his teammate, Steph, he went to social media. So this could be on all of our radar as a reminder that there are lines that must not be crossed and they include people's family members alive or not. This is deplorable, despicable, and it must not be tolerated at any level of sport or anywhere else. So Steph and the Srediak family, much love to you. We stand with you. Plus, we're hoping for all the best with your hockey season this year. And to whatever players it was that were out of line with that unbelievably inappropriate, offensive and unacceptable chirp, It's time to eat your words for real presented by Prairie Catering. You know, the team at Prairie Catering, you can check out everything that they're doing online right now at prairiecatering.ca. It's a perfect time to look them up just ahead of the holidays because they've got their holiday catering options set for you to peruse. Look this out. They've got plated dinners. They've got receptions. They can cater boxed meals if you're all gathering virtually. Prairie does it all. Plus, Sunday brunches at their brand new restaurant, May, at the Art Gallery of Alberta, they are hitting it out of the park and we encourage you to show them your support. You let them know you heard about Prairie Catering on Real Talk. Coming up tomorrow, another guest I had to look them up. I don't know what Hoyles is doing. She's booking these people I have no idea who they are or what I'm going to talk to. Is what is this uh, Chris colonel chris hadfield retired colonel chris oh oh, he's the guy that was the commander of the international space station oh right so he's gonna be here plus another real talk roundtable. it's how we wrap up our week on fridays getting each other talking and thinking and walking through the day
1: real talk is hosted by ryan jesperson editorial producer sarah hoyles technical producer sam brooks Managing Director Josh Dunford, Account Coordinator Tanya Franklin, Merchandise Operations Katie Cook Chivers, Website Design Mike Johnston, VoiceOver by me, Carrie Skelton. Real Talk's editorial board is Sapria Duveti, Ahmed Ali, Anne Castleman, Corey Hogan, Julie Rohr, Harmon Candola, Catherine O'Neill, and Chris Henderson. Real Talk is recorded in Edmonton, Alberta on Treaty 6 territory, the traditional and ancestral territory of the Cree. Dene, Blackfoot, Salto, and Nakota Sioux, home to Métis settlements and the Métis Nation of Alberta. Real Talk is the flagship property of Relay Communications Group, Incorporated. all rights reserved. For more, check out ryanjesperson.com.